0: Hello, this is Nikdha from NewsLaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 2nd of January. Happy New Year to all of you. With more than 19,000 new infections, the number of COVID-19 cases in India has risen to 1 crore 3 lakhs in the last 24 hours. 200 fresh fatalities have been recorded bringing the nationwide death toll to 1,49,000. The second round of dry runs for COVID-19 vaccines have begun in all states to ensure the readiness of the rollout programme. The first round was conducted on December 28 and 29 in Assam, Andhra Pradesh, Punjab and Gujarat. With more than 96,000 vaccinators trained for the process, dry runs will be conducted in 116 districts across 259 sites in the country. The process in which 25 health workers will receive dummy vaccines at each spot is meant to test the mechanisms and reveal possible gaps in the system ahead of the actual vaccination drive. In a statement regarding the vaccines, the health ministry said, and I quote, an important focus of the dry run will be on management of any possible adverse events following immunisation, unquote. Union Health Minister Harshvardhan meanwhile held a review meeting with officials of the Delhi government on Friday to discuss the preparations for the dry run. Stressing that adequate security arrangements were required at session sites, cold chain points and during the vaccination transportation, the minister said that it was important to mobilise stakeholders. Cautioned by a sense of panic and urgency among people for the vaccination, the UP police have geared up to secure the vaccination storage rooms as well as provide safety during transportation of the vials. The Director-General of UP Police, Hitesh Chandra Avastee, told the Indian Express that the police is fully equipped and prepared to provide proper security at every stage, including the storage, transportation and during the vaccination drives. Uttar Pradesh state health officials have explained that storing COVID vaccines at cold temperatures will not pose to be a problem thanks to the routine immunisation programmes conducted by the government where vaccines are stored between 2 degrees Celsius to 8 degrees Celsius. Moreover, since the storage centres are located in health institutions, there is 24 hours dedicated electricity along with availability of generators. According to the officials, the need of the hour was to increase the number of storage facilities. In his article for News Laundry science desk, Ronak Burana writes, and I quote, As we swing from needless hygiene theatre to pandemic fatigue, vaccines seem to be the most promising exit plan. But it is illusory to expect a vaccine to reinstate the pre-pandemic normalcy. He further says that vaccines are more likely to succeed in clinical trials than other therapeutics. Even then, an average vaccine takes 10.71 years to develop and has only a 6% probability of entering the market. Only one in five vaccine candidates that undergo clinical trials succeed, according to WHO. But this volatility is the nature of biopharmaceutical licensing. Another thing we should keep in mind is how giant pharma firms have been trying to bulldoze their way through regulations in their race to come up with a vaccine. To understand why a mild dose of scepticism is probably healthy when you're thinking about COVID vaccines, do read Ronak's complete article titled, Why We Shouldn't Get Too Excited About a COVID Vaccine. You'll find the article on our website, newslaundry.com. With the next round of talks between farmers and the government scheduled for January 4th, farmer unions have said that the protests will intensify if the government's response is not satisfactory. A meeting of the Samyukt Kisan Morcha, an umbrella body of around 40 farmer unions, have decided that if the government does not agree to their demands, a tractor march will be held from the protest site to the Kundli-Manesar Palwal Expressway on January 6 and a call will also be given to protests at Shah on the Haryana-Rajasthan border to move towards the national capital. After the sixth round of negotiations on Wednesday, the government and farm unions had reached some common ground to resolve the farmers' concern over rise in power tariff and penalties for stubble burning. But the two sides remain deadlocked over the main issue of repealing the three farm laws and a legal guarantee for MSP. The farmer unions have also warned that they will shut all malls and petrol pumps in Haryana if the government fails to resolve their main demand in the January 4th meeting. While speaking to the media, farmer leader Ratan Singh Randhawa said, and I quote, It is our New Year resolution that we will intensify the protest and will not stop until victory is achieved. We have received calls that there was no need to send Russian with new protesters, so we are only sending men and women now. We will send around 20 more trolleys on Saturday, unquote. He added that contrary to the government's expectations, the people will not give up on the agitation. Meanwhile, 75-year-old Kashmir Singh Ladi from Rampur District in Uttar Pradesh was found dead today at the farmer's protest site on the Delhi-Ghazipur border. While the police are probing the case, a note written by him has been found in which he expressed his frustration over the stalemate in negotiations with the centre. According to the Bharatiya Kisan Union, the body was found inside the toilet at the protest site, along with a note in which he had held the central government responsible for his death and had requested his grandsons to perform his final rites at the protest site itself. Apart from the government's handling, or should I say mishandling, of their concerns, the farmers at the Tikri border have one more reason to be angry with the centre. They believe that the BJP government is trying to use the good old colonial strategy of divide and rule against them. One of the farmers at Tikri told my colleague Nidhi Suresh and I quote, They are trying to find different ways to tear us apart, but it is not going to work. Unquote. Their anger stems from the comments from sections of the media and the government on how the protest has been hijacked or infiltrated by Maoists and how there is a conflict between different factions of the farmers. But as one of the farmers put it, they are all ultimately part of the same fight. To find out more about why the farmers think that the Modi government is trying to sow the seeds of discord among them, do read Nidhi's ground report titled, Divide and Rule Won't Work. Farmers at Tikri border have another reason to be angry. Dear listeners, not to boast but News Laundry's coverage of the ongoing farmer protest has really stood out. Our reporters have been visiting the protest sites since the agitation began a month ago, bringing you ground reports based on their conversation with the agitating farmers. So before I move on to the next news story, here is a small request for you. After you're done listening to this podcast, please do spare a few minutes to check out our website newslaundry.com and all the ground reports that we have been publishing. Do give them a read and if you are satisfied that we are doing a good job, please do consider subscribing to Newslaundry. I'm asking you this because we are 100% free of advertisements, meaning we only count on people like you who understand the importance of keeping news independent to support us and to help us stay afloat. So go to our website and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner. Our monthly subscription costs as low as 300 rupees only. Former Union Minister and Veteran Congress leader Bhutta Singh died in Delhi's Ames early this morning. Aged 86 years, Singh was in a coma since October last year after he suffered a brain hemorrhage. His demise was announced by his son Arvinder Singh Lovely Sidhu on Facebook. Tributes poured in from the Prime Minister Narendra Modi, Congress leader Rahul Gandhi and many others including Defence Minister Rajnath Singh and West Bengal Chief Minister Mamata Banerjee. Born in pre-independence India in Punjab's Jalandhar, Bhuta Singh joined the Congress under Jawaharlal Nehru's leadership and was close to the Gandhi family. He was first elected to the parliament in 1962. Over the years, he had served as the Home Minister in the Rajiv Gandhi government from 1986 to 1989 and also as the National President of the Scheduled Caste Commission. He also served as the Governor for West Bengal and Bihar and was a Union Minister for Agriculture, Railways, Commerce and Sports among other departments. With the West Bengal Assembly elections just months away, the political fight between the governing Trinamul Congress and the BJP seems to be intensifying. And now that the left front has joined forces with the Congress, Bengal will have a triangular contest. BJP National President J.P. Nadda and Union Home Minister Amit Shah are scheduled to visit the state again this month. Nadda is expected to visit Bolpur in Birbhum district and hold organisational meetings with the state party leadership. His visit comes close to Amit Shah and Chief Minister Mamta Banerjee's earlier visits to Bolpur. Later in the month, Shah is also likely to visit Thakur Nagar area in the 24 Perganas district. His visit aims to appease members of the Matua community who were upset over his statement that the Citizenship Amendment Act would be implemented once COVID-19 vaccination begins. West Bengal BJP President Dilip Ghosh said, and I quote, The time is already up for TMC government. The BJP is all set to come to power in Bengal with a huge majority, unquote. The Trinamul Congress is banking on the image of Chief Minister Mamata Banerjee and the achievements of her government to take on the BJP. According to a senior TMC leader it was a lack of leaders within the BJP that had forced them to poach leaders from their party adding that it was unfortunate that the BJP had to deploy its national president union home minister chief ministers of other states the CBI and the ED to fight against Mamata Banerjee Meanwhile the Left Congress front said it was focusing on addressing people's issues to fight both the TMC and the BJP State CPM secretary Suryakanta Mishra said and I quote We will raise people's issues such as price rise, economic crisis and unemployment to reach out to the masses. Both the TMC and the BJP are engaged in competing at communalism. Our objective is to fight the BJP and the TMC. Meanwhile, Saurav Ganguly, former India cricket captain and BCCI president and also supposedly BJP's face for Bengal, was admitted to Woodlands Hospital in Kolkata today after he complained of chest pain. Sources close to the former cricketer said that Ganguly might need angioplasty. Chief Minister Mamata Banerjee along with cricketer Virat Kohli were among the first to wish him a speedy recovery. The Securities Exchange Board of India, or SEBI, on Friday imposed a fine of 25 crore rupees on Reliance Industries and 15 crore rupees on its chairman Mukesh Ambani for manipulating shares of Reliance Petroleum Limited in November 2007. This followed the decision by Reliance Industries Limited or RIL in March 2007 to sell 4.1% stake in RPL, which is a listed subsidiary that was later merged with RIL in 2009. The market regulator found that Mukesh Ambani, as the managing director of RIL, was responsible for the manipulative activities of RIL. SEBI said that any manipulation in the volume or price of securities always erodes investors' confidence in the market. Meanwhile, in the middle of Anil Ambani-owned Reliance Communications bankruptcy resolution process, the State Bank of India, the Union Bank of India and the Indian Overseas Bank have classified the company's accounts as fraudulent. The banks are looking to launch a deeper investigation into the transactions from the accounts of Reliance Communications, Reliance Infratel and Reliance Telecom. The Delhi High Court, however, has directed Union Bank of India and the Indian Overseas Bank to maintain the status quo in a matter pertaining to the classification of accounts as fraudulent until the next hearing on January 13. The company asserts that, as per figures certified by the resolution professional appointed by the lenders, the Reliance Communications Group owed 26,000 crores to Indian banks and financial institutions as on the date of filing before the NLCT. In addition, Reliance Telecom owes more than 24,000 crore rupees and Reliance Infratel owes more than 12,000 crore rupees. This adds up to more than 86,000 crore rupees. The figure is more than 10 times of what Vijay Mallya owes to the Indian banks. These allegations come nearly a year after a forensic audit found questionable transactions worth 5,500 crore rupees in 3 analambani Anilambani-led Reliance Group entities. And now for some international updates. Globally, coronavirus has infected more than 84 million people so far. Out of these, more than 1.8 million people have succumbed to the virus, while over 47.3 million people have recovered. With a sudden surge in the number of COVID cases in the country, Ireland is expecting 9,000 more COVID cases to be added to its official tally. Health officials in the country have warned that hospitals will not be able to cope with the increasing number of cases. Ireland has gone from having the lowest infection rate in the European Union just two weeks ago to having the fastest rate of infection after shops and large parts of the hospitality sector were allowed to reopen for most of December. The US has not been successful in reaching its federal government's target of vaccinating 20 million people by 2020, with only under 3 million vaccinated as the new year begins. More than 10,000 people have died in the US in the last three days of 2020 alone, bringing the national death toll close to 350,000. With a rapid increase in the number of cases, vaccines are the big hope for fighting the outbreak. But the vaccine distribution system in the United States is being routinely described as chaos with criticism that inept officials are botching up efforts. Experts have also warned that hundreds of thousands of more deaths are possible if the prevention process does not take place soon. At least 26 residents of a Belgian retirement home have died since a visit by a volunteer dressed as Santa who has since tested positive for COVID-19. Photographs of the event emerged revealing that the residents had not been wearing masks during the visit. The event has prompted the local municipality to criticise the completely irresponsible management that organised the festive visit, although the cause of infection is not yet certain. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow.